listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joined in God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. What if church really did look different for us? All right, and here's what I mean. I don't mean this event, this activity right here that we're doing. I'm not talking about a change in anything here. It's, it's ironic. Church in the Bible, in the Greek, it's ekklesia, and it literally means the called out ones. And so church, biblically speaking, isn't an event or something we do. So when we say I go to church, essentially what we're saying, if we want to be you know, uh, biblical about it, we're saying I go to people, which that you know, doesn't really make much sense. I go to people. Church is who we are. It's not what we do. And so I'm not asking what if what we did in terms of church looked different, but I am asking what if church looked different for us? I mean, really, what if we really did understand what it meant to be free? What if we really did understand what it meant to be called out? Called out of the hopelessness of sin. Called out of the hopelessness and finality of death. Called out of the pursuit of our own successes and the pursuit of our own desires. Called out of our bad decisions called out of our tendency to make bad choices what if we what if we really did live as a free people like what if we really did give as if we as if i really believed that i was a child of of the king of heaven and earth what if i what if i gave of my time what if how would this church look if everybody here realized that we were free and that we were so free we were we were so free that that we can that we can we can really give our lives away because if you think about it, what if, we, what if we really believed? And I'm not saying that we don't, and if you're visiting, we do believe this, but I'm wondering if our actions show this. And, I, and I'm, I'm confessing some things to you today, so if you'll give me that space, I may get a little emotional today. I don't normally get emotional, so if you're visiting, I, I'm not normally an emotional guy per se, um, so I apologize in advance for that. But what if we, what if we really did get that there's a heaven and that there, there really is a hell and that there are going to be people who live their life separated from God forever and they're living their life separated from God now and that's causing hell in their life. You know what I'm saying? And what if we really believed that that was, that was happening in this world? Like, wouldn't that change? Wouldn't there be like a sense of urgency for me and for you? Because we're free from those consequences. Because of what Jesus has done, not because we're good people, but because we're saved, we're, we're released because of what Jesus has done. Not... And so then, so then how, would, how would things look in church with our lives? I mean, what if we really believed that in this, in this place, in this building downstairs, there exists a child that could change the world. That God could really use one of these children to change the world because of who Christ is. Because of who God is. That he could really use a, a human being like a child to change the world or to change a, a country. Which we, we talk about all the time. But what if that person lives right down here? And we being free people know the implications to that change. That we know that this child could really change the world for God. Not, not for good, but for God. Which would be good, but it's a different kind of good than what we often talk about in our world. I mean, if you and I really believe that, would we really need volunteers for children's ministry? You see where I'm going with this? 
Like, what if we really believed that God had something to say to those who are marginalized and hurt and who are poor and who are oppressed, physically and spiritually speaking? Wouldn't things look different for us? I mean, will we, will we continue to nitpick church or, or will we continue to fight with one another? And if you, again, we're not doing that, but this is what happens. Because we're a loving family and we love each other and you guys don't nitpick and I'm so grateful for that. Not all of you nitpick. But wouldn't it look different? Like, honestly. Like, wouldn't you love your spouse differently if you realized that your spouse really was a gift of grace? And wouldn't you love your children differently if you, if you really realized that you had been set free, that you've been set free to love, love freely, give freely, and you realize that this freedom that you and I have isn't bought, the kind of freedom we have as Christians isn't the kind of freedom that calls people their lives on foreign battlefields. That's a different kind of freedom. And it's a beautiful freedom, but it's not the deepest and richest freedom that Christ offered. The kind of freedom that we have, it, was, was, it cost God His Son. It cost God His life in Jesus Christ. I mean, wouldn't church look different if I got that? Would I really stress over money as much? Would I love my family differently? Would I love you differently? Would I realize that you needed to be set free like I needed this to be set free and so that causes me, it forces me to give you grace because I'm no better than you. I haven't got it more figured out than you. But wouldn't that just change things about the church? I mean, if we really believed that we were free and not for ourselves but to serve one another in love and to love our neighbor as ourselves. A few years ago, my wife and I were able to visit Washington, D.C. for the first time, and we did the typical tour. I don't know what typical tour I should rephrase. We, we toured everything that we could in the time that we had, and it was great. And we went to New York a while after that, and we visited the Statue of Liberty. Now, I, you know, I, I grew up in the United States, so I know what the Statue of Liberty is, and I learned that in school. But I'd never been in it. It was post 9-11, and so there were certain pieces that weren't you couldn't go into. And, but I remember walking through, and I saw the letters that were written to the Statue of Liberty. They were written by people, to Lady Liberty. How many of you have ever been in and read those letters? It's amazing, isn't it? The stories. As you read stories of this immigrant or this refugee, he was coming through, was coming through, and, and, and they would write, you know, the journey was hard and it was long, and, but, but when I saw you, Lady Liberty, I saw hope. I saw the chance of a new life. And I saw you from a distance, and it gave me warmth from the cold. And it was like Lady Liberty stood for freedom, but not just freedom as of what we often talk about in freedom. But it was a different kind of freedom too. It was, it was yes, freedom from the oppressive empire. It was freedom from that certain. But it was freedom to a new life. It was freedom to a new hope, to a new heart, to a new mind. It was, it was free for them in a way that's not free for me as one who was born and raised here. Lady liberty, lady freedom, lady liberation. It's interesting to me Emma Lazarus wrote a poem 
is entitled the Colossus. And it was her expression, it was her gift to this country and really to the world. And it was a dialogue that the Lady Liberty was having with the world. It was a poem. As if the Statue of Liberty could speak, she would say. And I'm going to do the poem a terrible, terrible, terrible injustice. But I want you to catch a couple of lines that Emma Lazarus had in this poem. Because it sounds a lot like something we know as Christians. Give me your poor, your hungry, and your broken. Jesus said in Luke 4.18 that I have come to set free the oppressed, heal the brokenhearted, bring sight to the blind, help to the poor. It's like this echo. It's because humans are wired for freedom. We're wired to be free. And in our world, there are many different definitions of freedom now. There's the freedom of oppressive empire. There's the freedom of religion. There's the freedom of speech. There's all of these different definitions of freedoms. And and I wonder if sometimes I'm forgetting what real freedom is as a child of God. It doesn't minimize those freedoms, but it deepens and broadens and extends those freedoms to where my life isn't surrounded no longer. My my life is no longer determined by those kind of freedoms. It's determined by a different kind of freedom that is deeper now. See, in the garden, Adam and Eve had full freedom. God made no demands of them other than to be free, to rule, to multiply, and be free. The only thing he asked them not to do was to not eat of the tree. They were free for everything else. They were free to roam and be free in the presence of God. And it was a beautiful freedom. And they chose the tree and they rebelled. And if it hadn't been them, it would have been me. It would have been you. And freedom was broken. And sin entered into the world because of rebellion. And humanity has been trying to get free ever since, church. We've been trying to get free ever since sense and yet when you talk to a Christian in China who lives their lives in fear because of their faith you can read it how they feel free when you look at the Christian martyrs of old in the second to fourth century or whether you even listen to Stephen's words in the book of Acts they die though they are dying at the hands of a persecutor they die as free men or women because freedom in God's world is different than freedom from our world. And I wonder what would happen if we as a church remembered that and we stopped looking at the world through the lenses that we've created for ourselves. And we stopped looking at the world through the lenses of our own ideas and definitions of freedom. Maybe even so much as stop looking at the world through the lens of politics and through the kingdom of God and then things begin to change. I wonder what it would look like if, if things changed, if we saw freedom the way God sees freedom. I wonder how you're feeling right now about hearing me say this. I wonder if this is stirring some of you to the point of frustration, perhaps gaining agreement from some of you, perhaps gaining disagreement from some of you. Just wonder what it would look like if we understood liberation in light of the king. Paul, I think, wondered the same thing. And we've been studying Romans 6 about this good life. And we're working our way towards the end of the text. Listen to what Paul had to say about freedom. Verse 19, chapter 6. 
I'm using a human analogy because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you offered the parts of yourselves as slaves to moral impurity and to greater and greater lawlessness, so now offer them as slaves to righteousness, which results in sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free from allegiance to righteousness. And what fruit was produced then from the things you are now ashamed of? For in the end of those things is death. But now since you have been liberated from sin and become enslaved to God, you have your fruit, which results in sanctification, and the end is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. I've got to confess to you, I do not enjoy going to Envoy, the nursing home here. It's a beautiful ministry, but it, 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 it messes with me so much. Last Sunday, I had the privilege of sharing the devotional. and I was talking about, from Isaiah, how God named the stars in the sky and He knew each star by name and not one star fell without knowing, without God knowing. And I don't know why, but my eyes made contact with this, with this sweet older man as he's in his wheelchair. Envoy is this place where older people go and their bodies are, some of them, their bodies are breaking down, their, their, their mind is breaking down, and they're just, they're just broken, hurting people, and they're lonely people, and it just, it just messes with me too much. But I, but I went, uh, we have a ministry here, we have people who are dedicated to that, and praise God for you, and I'm so thankful for you, and I'm so glad that I can go, and I need to go. And it reminded me, when I, when I looked at this man, and I looked at him as I gave that devotional, and I said, you know, I don't know why I just did. I said, God, if, if nobody else knows your name, I looked him in the eye, I said, nobody else knows you anymore or remembers you're here. God does. He knows you, and he loves you. And that man started weeping. I thought to myself, that is what the world needs. What if church was different for us? And what if we realized that we are the freest people ever? We are the freest people in the universe. In the universe. Not because of just where we live, but because of what Jesus has done. And that changes everything. And it changed everything for that man. It would change everything for that precious God-made man that, he, that, that is old and, and that cannot, cannot think well and cannot, cannot feel well. But, but he needed to know that, brother, you are free by the love of God and He knows you and that is greater than any gift anyone could ever give. What would happen? What would happen if we changed the way we saw church and if we changed the way we saw freedom? What if we were allegiant to righteousness? I'm not suggesting the church and us that we're not but I'm also suggesting that if you're that I think we all struggle. I do. I struggle with living free. Paul says there are two types of freedoms in this text. And when you boil it all down, no matter what any worldview suggests, with a biblical worldview, if you see the world through the, through the glasses of the Bible, there are two types of freedoms in this world. There is the freedom from God, and there's the freedom from sin. There's a, that's it, that's it. There's not, that's, that's the two deepest and richest and most heart-shaping, soul-changing, stirring freedoms in the universe, in, in the world. It's freedom from God and freedom from sin. Freedom from God is living the life away from God, which Paul says is slavery to sin. 
that when you and I decide that God and, and what he's trying to say is just going to impose a little too much on me, it's just going to cause a little too much, it's going to get into my freedom a little, then, then, then I begin to move away from God and, and I, I seek some freedom from God and what he says is true about life and his word and what his people are saying and, and all those things and I move away from God. And Paul says that's freedom, it's freedom from God, but what ends up happening is a false freedom because it's slavery to sin. Because what ends up happening is if I don't know God and I'm not interested in God, or maybe I did at some point like me when I was 13 and I was baptized into Christ and now I live so much of my life away from God. I want a freedom from God because what he was calling me to do and telling me I want, I couldn't do and what I should do, I didn't want to do. And, and so I was doing it my own way. And, and, and what ended up happening, I became a slave to sin. And that's what the Bible says. What Paul is saying is freedom from God is slavery to sin. And it is a false freedom. If you're here and you think you can run from God, you can you can. You'll end up in the belly of a well like Jonah, and that belly of a well will be called slavery to sin. And sin separates us from God forever. But even then, if, if, if I become a Christian, that sin wrecks my relationship with God. And I wonder where God is. Well, He's where He's always been, but you're not. And he's pursuing and he's pursuing and he's pursuing, but you're running and running and running. And that's how people are living in this world. And what happens, see, what happens is it becomes slavery to sin. To, to separation, to lostness, to hopelessness, to brokenness, to peacelessness. Slavery to anxiety, slavery to addiction, slavery to anger, slavery to treating folks how I just want to treat folks. It's just slavery. And we think it's freedom. And it's a false freedom. It's a false freedom. Because that's what sin offers is false freedom. See, it offers freedom without responsibility. And we like that. You know, I don't want to be responsible for you. Don't read me love neighbor as myself. I don't like my neighbor. Right? So I'm free of that responsibility. Or, or, or you know... I've got something I need to say to you because I don't like what you're doing, so I'm just going to say it in the name of being honest as a Christian, regardless of it hurting your feelings. And I want no pushback from that. I, I just I want no responsibility to you for that statement. We like freedom from responsibility. We like freedom without restraint. Freedom without restraint. I, you know, I'm an honest and authentic person, so I'm just going to tell you what I think. Freedom without restraint. It's a false freedom. It's not Christianity. Man, this is... Freedom without restraint. I, you know, I really want that. She really is attractive, or he really is attractive. And God says, I can't, but I want to. Freedom without restraint. Or I want that job that's going to take me 120 hours a work week, and it's going to take me completely away from my family. I, I want that freedom without restraint. I, I need that freedom. It's a false freedom. Freedom without responsibility and freedom without strength makes you a slave to yourself. And it's birthed from this slavery of sin. Look at what Proverbs says about freedom without restraint. A man of knowledge uses words without restraint and a man of understanding is even tempered. Words with restraint. A person without restraint and self-control is as defenseless as a city with broken down walls. People who won't accept God's guidance and cast off restraint become exposed to danger. But whoever obeys God's precepts is happy. 
It's a false freedom. But then we want this other, this other versions of false freedom. There's that false freedom. It's, it's this freedom without repercussion. That there aren't really any consequences for what I've done. I want, I want to live how I want to live. And then I get really hacked off at God because I have the consequences in my life that I do. Look, when I chose drugs and when I chose alcohol, and my memory is lame and lousy, and as a result of all the chemicals I've done, I can't blame anybody but myself. I can take all the ginkgo I want. And I probably should. There's not freedom without repercussions is false freedom, false freedom. I love my little boy. He can't do what he wants to do because I love my little boy. He wants to play in the road. He likes, I don't know what it, I don't know what it is. Big cars coming. It, he cannot logically reason that at two and a half years old. There's freedom without recession. That's what we want. We want freedom without recession, that it gets better and better and better and better and better and better and better, better living the way I want to live. Living away from God gets better and better and better because it's more fun and more fun and more fun. And, and I said this for service, and, and I do not say this crassly. I say this sincerely. If someone tells you that sin isn't fun, they've never sinned. But sin is death. It is death. It seems fun to live from God, and it seems freeing to live from God, but it is a false, free, free, a false freedom that the Bible says is slavery to sin. It is slavery to sin. And if you want to be enslaved, choose sin and slavery to sin. That's your false freedom. And you, can, you and I can run to that if we, if we desire, like, like the Romans struggled with. But God is crying out. He's crying out to help us understand that is not freedom at all. See, freedom without repercussion and recession makes us a free, makes us a slave to our own version of truth. We then define what's good and what's right and what's fun and what's holy, and that's not the deal. God does. And when we run from God, we're running from what God says. I don't know about you, but I grew up hearing statements like this about God. God don't like ugly to hear that. God's watching you. He's doing all that. He doesn't like ugly. And he is watching us. But I wasn't told that in a nurturing sort of way. I was told that from a grandparent in a you better watch yourself sort of way. And I got to tell you that wasn't the kind of God I wanted to run to. The God that don't like ugly because I'm pretty ugly. I heard things like this. Well the Bible is the rule book to life. That just draws you into the Bible, doesn't it? Does it have rules? Has commands? Has law? But I wonder if we set it up, I wonder if the church has set it up to say that, then wonder why people scatter when we mention God in the Bible because we don't set up this God of freedom. God's purpose, His desire for humanity is to be free. His method for freedom is truth. And His revelation of truth is Jesus. And that changes everything about freedom. That's the kind of freedom that God offers. And it's the kind of freedom that Paul says we have been liberated into. And yes, Paul uses the words, we will become then slaves to God. Because freedom is found in slavery to God. Freedom is found in surrender to God. But what are the alternatives? See, the, the option is freedom from God. And then there's freedom unto God, which is slavery to God. So you have slavery to sin and slavery to God. That's it. That's all humanity has. And the thing about it is, it's not the lesser of two. When you know who God is and you see who God is for what He is, why would you want to go to anything else? 
I mean, if you're sitting here and you're thinking, I just want to run from God because he's about rules and religion, then I want to tell you, I'm sorry because I've not helped you there. Because I've been a part of that. I made God a God of rules and regulations. Does he have rules? Yes. Don't leave that and don't leave me yet. You still can't change the fact that we're called into freedom. If you think that God is a God of rules and regulations that just doesn't like ugly, then you don't know God. That's why people love Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John a whole lot more than they like the Old Testament and the rest of the New Testament. Because Jesus loved ugly. He ran to ugly. And He made ugly beautiful again. And He broke down the burdens of rules and offered freedom that still had restraint. And that still had responsibility. But it was a true freedom. And there's a freedom rooted in the principle of loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself. And then we build all these hedges and we make freedom to be nothing at all. And so people then have another option and they go freedom from God. What if we understood freedom? We need to understand freedom the way God sees freedom. Now all of that was just introduction. We need God and His truth. We need the truth. Look at what Jesus said in John 8, verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed Him, If you continue in My word, all right, you really are My disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We are descendants of Abraham, they answered Him, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. See, I can almost hear Christians. We, we've been Christians for years. We've never been enslaved to anyone. So how can you say we will become free? Jesus responded, I assure you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. Therefore, if the son sets you free, you really will be free. Jesus is the revelation of truth. He was full of grace and truth, John said. God gives us His Word, which is the truth. God tells us what's really going on in the world through the Bible. He tells us what really is happening. And then He showed us what truth looks like. But here's the thing about truth. Truth isn't a noun. Truth is a verb. Truth is about action. So if we want to be a people of truth, we've got to be a people who live out truth and embody truth like Jesus did. Because that is what it means. It doesn't mean right beliefs. It includes right beliefs, but it's bigger than right beliefs. It means embodying truth. Putting skin on truth like God did himself in Jesus. Because what does it say? You will know the truth and the truth will what? It could change the pronoun. We will know the truth and the truth will what? Set us free. And here's the thing. So many of us, including myself, we're, we're living enslaved to, to anxieties, to, to stresses of finances, to our spouses, maybe to the own guilt of our past sin. Maybe we're enslaved to people. Maybe we're enslaved to expectations. And maybe we're enslaved to sin. We're enslaved to all these things. We have these weights in our lives. I want to ask you something. I did this first service, so, so we'll do it second. Raise your hand if you, if you need to be free from something. Raise your hand high. If you need to be free from something, raise your hand. Raise your hand, please. Come on. You're human. We know this. If you don't raise your hand, we know that you just don't realize there's something you need to be free from. No, no, no. Keep your hands raised. Keep your hands raised. Now look around. Look around. Really, please look around. This is what we're talking about. Okay, you can put it down now. This is what we're talking about. This is why Paul wrote to Christians. This is of no surprise. 
We are a people who have been made free, free from sin. We are free. God did for us what we could never do for ourselves, which is what Romans 6.22 says. Because we have to be liberated. We have to be liberated. We don't liberate ourselves. You're not going to work yourself out of the slavery that you feel. Well, I'm not going to do it. I could take 45 part-time jobs. I'm not going to work myself out of the slavery. I know that. I have a hard time lining up my heart and my head. It takes a lifetime to get these 18 inches lined up, doesn't it? And yet we live as though we're not liberated. We backpipe. We judge. We treat our families poorly sometimes. We stress and worry and fret and strive and struggle. We choose sin over God and choose sin over God thinking that there actually is something better and we make ourselves feel good about ourselves because we come here once a week. But we're not free. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. That is freedom. And I need the freedom. You need the freedom. We need to be free. We need to know the truth of the world. The truth of the way life works. We need to get to a place in our life. No, we need to get to a place in our life where we actually trust this. Where when God says the world looks this way, that it does. Even if the world doesn't act this way. The world acts this way, Fred. You don't understand the real world. But I understand what God said about the world. And this is going to win some point. This is going to win. I've got to line my life up with this. And that's my struggle. That's my struggle towards surrender. Because freedom is found in surrender. Freedom to God is found in surrender to God. And trusting Him with that. And, and so I want to share some things with you. I... I've come to realize over the last few months that there's things going on inside of me that I just don't know what to do with. I cannot free myself. See, I know that the fruit of the Spirit is peace, not the fruit of Fred. So I can't produce peace, neither can you. You can give me money. You can give me your time. You can give me um, an at-home doctor who lives there with my son. You can give me all those things and that's not going to set me free. I could give you all of the money you could stand, pay all your bills, you wouldn't have to worry about finding a job. I could give you anything you want. God could give us anything He wants and it would not make us free. The fruit of the Spirit is peace and peace is what we need to know that we're free. It is peace and joy that guards my heart and reminds me that I'm free of the burden and stress and anxiety that exists. And I need that. I really struggle with my son's little health. And he's not a sickly little boy. But when he struggles to breathe, I just, I can't, I have a hard time with that, man. And it becomes an anxiety for me the minute he gets a cold. God holds his breath in his hands. He gives me breath. He's a gift of God. I can't do anything about it, but I struggle with it. It becomes a pressure and a stress. Finances are a stress for everybody, it seems. For some, for most, for all, I don't know. 
But I, I've come to discover that I have, I have anxiety. I have high anxiety. I don't know if you realize this about me, but I'm a passionate and quite intense person. And I think with that passion and intensity comes a certain amount of anxiety. It comes a certain desire to, to, to do things and to get things done. And so I, I sometimes have anxiety over, over some of you because I love you and, and I know you love me and we love each other and we're in this together. And so there becomes that prayer and you're praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and you're thinking and thinking and thinking and it's just like it welds up and then you've got all the other things in your life. And sometimes you have this anxiety that just builds. And now I've got some health issues because of this. And I just need to let that out to you too. Because I need God to give me peace. I need peace. question is, what do you need? What are you enslaved to? What do you need to confess before God and have Him free you from? Because I can't produce it. My prayers have to be more intentional in my life, and I need to let the Word get into me more so that I can know the truth, and the truth will set me free. So my mantra over the last while has been, do not worry. But with everything, in prayers and petitions... And with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And I'm just like, I need you to guard my heart and mind because all this other mess is in it. What do you need freedom from? Here's what I'd like to do. Because we need surrender. We need surrender. And there's nothing you're going to be able to do to make it happen on your own. You just can't. The only one who can help us truly surrender, and that's the point, we surrender in grace. The only one who can give me the peace that I am created for, that I long for in order to be free in the way that I'm made is the God of heaven and earth. He's got to do for me what I can't do because I can't do it. It's grace. And here's what I know. I know because of what Jesus has done that it's there. I know that what Jesus has done, I don't have to work for it. Jesus has done it. I've got to surrender my life enough Trust God enough with my family. Trust God enough in those areas of my life to let him just take it from me and give me peace. I don't know what else to do. But I know this, I do it with you. We're called in this together. This is not a lonely deal. This is not, you're not made to live by yourself. You're made to be in community, and so we do this together. And the problem is, we go from week to week and week and week and week and week, and we have sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon, some okay and some not, but we have sermon after sermon after sermon, and we hear these things, and we hear about Jesus, and we hear about Jesus, and yet we all raise our hands and say, I'm not free. You can go to church every week, and you're not going to be free. You've got to have God free. So here's what I'm asking. Dave and I Dave and I are going to be up here because we need God to free us in our lives if you need freedom I want you to come up here in first service we had this whole area filled everybody came up almost and we're going we're gonna to sing a song together and we're going to pray over each other and we're going to ask God to free us there's no reason we should leave here the same way we came in there's just no reason at all so I'm going to be up here because I need freedom. David's going to be up here because he needs freedom. And you can be up here if you feel the courage to come up here. You can be up here like the other, what, 20 or 30 or so that came up and just be here and just, and just cry and weep or do whatever you need to do and be free. Be free. If you're visiting and this is odd, this is family to us. This is kingdom of God life for us. 
So we're going to sing this song, and I'm going to ask you, we're going to stand. If you want to come, just come, and we're going to, we're going to just be together here in this place. I know you could say, well, Fred, why can't we do it here? Because we do that all the time. It's too easy for us to just hide. The Bible says confess it, and, and we find healing, and I think that this is a way God can bring healing. And I tell you, ask the people in first service how they feel. See what the Spirit is doing. So if you feel the need, then come. Because we're going to pray over each other and we're going to be together and ask God to free us.